Welcome to Starting Points, a podcast from Faith on Hill. This podcast is designed to be a starting point or a refresher to anyone and everyone who wants to study and understand the Bible. We go through all of the major sections of the Bible and each individual book of the Bible, giving an overview about what each book or section is about. Today we are going to be looking at the book of 2 Samuel. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, which we as Christians gratefully inherited from uh, the Hebrews, the the Hebrew Bible uh, has the book of Samuel as one book. And in the uh, Christian Old Testament, we've divided it into 1st and 2nd Samuel, which makes sense because first, it, chronologically, it makes sense. It's not, we're not changing anything. It's just easier to divide the, the books. First uh, Samuel is really about, um, it's really in three parts. The first part is about the prophet Samuel. The second part is about King Saul. The, the third part is about uh, the decline of Saul and the beginning of the rise of David. Second Samuel is really about King David. Uh, the first half of the book Uh, is chapters 1 through 10, and that is the rise of David, um, establishing himself as king over the entire nation of Israel, solidifying uh, his his situation, establishing his capital in Jerusalem, that sort of thing. And then from chapter 11 through the end of the book is the decline of David. Um, J. Vernon McGee, who is a a Bible teacher from uh, my grandparents' generation, who I really have always appreciated and respect, he he phrases it as chapters 1 through 10, the triumphs of David, and chapters 11 through 24, the troubles of David. Um, I suspect part of that is that it's alliteration, and and preachers like alliteration, triumph, trouble, both start with T. I also suspect a little bit of it is that we don't like to say things like the decline of David because it messes with our heroes. And David is one of the heroes of the Bible. And in uh, semi-recent, somewhat modern biblical teaching in America, David is lionized. Western thinkers, Western preachers, going back to uh, British uh, preachers and Bible scholars in the 17 and 1800s, they love David. But we don't like to be as honest about the second part of the book, the decline of David. You know, everybody talks about facing your giants. We talk about David and Goliath. But what about David and Bathsheba? David and Absalom? David and his failure to parent his children? David and his... It goes on and on. So that's kind of how the two books are divided. Um, as we talked about with First Samuel, it was, according to tradition, written at first, started by the prophet Samuel, finished by the prophets Gad and Nathan. Now, there are some modern scholars who believe uh, that it was edited together from multiple sources by post-Babylonian captivity rabbis and scribes. I don't think the two are um, at odds with each other. Now, sometimes we have this idea that there's what tradition said, and then modern scholarship came along, and we've really figured it out. And I don't think that's the case, especially here. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think modern scholarship always gets it right. And I think sometimes what modern scholarship does, and we frame it as, oh, we now know what really happened. And really what it is, is that we're clarifying something that would have been known to the original audience or even to people as far along as like Jesus's day in, in the early church. Uh, anyway, here, I don't think it's contradictory. This idea that, that Samuel started 
a, a writing that was sort of a national history. It was finished up on by Gad and Nathan and then ended. That's the book of Samuel. And then 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles was a continuation of the national history. And all of these things were, were brought together by the, rab, uh, the, the, rabs, the rabbis and the scribes. And, uh, and certainly the last four chapters seem to be an addendum, an appendix, uh, where they, those last four chapters of 2nd Samuel include things that are chronologically out of order. And so it's possible that there we see the work of those post-captivity scribes and rabbis who, um, who said, we've got the book of Samuel, and we also have these other fragmented writings that are in the same time, we're going to put it at the end as sort of an appendix. It's also very possible that as the story has been told, then Gad and Nathan decided uh, to make an appendix in their own day uh, of these events, the same way that the book of Judges has sort of a narrative arc and then a appendix of a collection of stories to give, an, give a general feel of the situation of the people and the nation at the time. I'm open to all those possibilities. Now, one of the big questions that we ask on this podcast is, what is the human story of 2 Samuel? What's the big idea? Because we have these like facts and figures, and I could like do an hour-long lecture about who wrote what part of the Bible and how and all that. But what's the human story? Second, first and 2 Samuel are incredibly human stories. David is building something right? And how many people have built something? They've built a business. They've built uh, an organization. They've built a team. They've built a family. They've built a life. They've built a career. Only to have it threatened, not by external forces, but internal ones. Threatened by his own hubris, his own arrogance, his own overextending, his own sin. And by extension, the, the internal in his family, and, and we're going to find out that there's a lot of problems in his family. So that's the basic story of, of 2 Samuel. David's rise, and then the troubles that his hubris, his arrogance, and his sin brought upon himself, his family, and the nation. Now, one of the other questions that we ask on this podcast is, what are the landmines? What are the hot-button issues? What are the controversial points? What are the things that when you read through it for the first time, you're going to go, what? Or what are the things that you might have heard somebody say, oh, this, this part of the Bible is really bad because of this or that? Well, let's just say that David's family is a hot mess. It's a mess. Uh, David took for himself, we, we knew this in 1 Samuel, it gets worse in 2 Samuel. He took for himself multiple wives. He has an incredibly dysfunctional family. Not only does he have multiple wives, but often he took these wives for political reasons. This was the custom back then. The king would marry multiple women, and it wasn't because he was lonely or, uh, you know, fell in love with somebody. It wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that, oh, you couldn't divorce, so here's his first wife that he married when he was really young, and now he's in middle age, and he's a different person now, and he falls with somebody else. No, it, it was political. You know, the king of some bordering territory had a daughter, and so he would have his daughter go marry the king of his neighbor so that David could, you know, he's not going to attack us because why would he attack, you know, where his wife came from? That's the idea. It was political. It was part of making treaties and agreements and trade deals. He also had concubines. He had, you know, mistresses and, and, and girls on the side. Um, he, things are a lot of brokenness. And, and when you do things out of God's plan, you can see why God says, hey, do this thing, right? If you have a situation where 
you're the, the, the son or daughter, but your mom is like third wife in the pecking order. You're not as important in the rest of the family. What if your mom is one of the official wives, but then your half-brother, half-sister is the son or daughter of one of the concubines, so you're not legitimate. And then you get a family get-together and you wonder why things are so, so dysfunctional, so messy, you know. The, the, there's a reason why God says to do the things that he says to do or says don't do those things. Now, is there grace from God if we do things and, and things get messed up? Absolutely. But, but there's also consequences to us not walking in God's ways. And so we're going to see, hey, David, David did a lot of things that he was told not to do, and yet he did them anyway. Uh, then there's this guy, Uzzah. Uzzah, not to be confused with Uzziah. Uzziah is going to come into the story later. But this guy, Uzzah, he lived in Israel and he would not be known to history except for how he died. You see, at the end, towards the end of 1 Samuel, King Saul, in his decline, uh, had allowed the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the one from Indiana Jones, the Ark of the Covenant, to be captured by their enemies, the Philistines. And then uh, God divinely, to show the Philistines his power, to demonstrate himself to them divinely without any help from the Israelites. This is all God working among the Philistines brings the ark back. But Israel says, okay, we don't know what to do with this thing. So they leave it in the house of Obed-Edom in this kind of backwater place. And God blesses that house, his his blessings there because the ark represented the presence of God. Now, David, as he's reestablishing, you know, kind of life in the nation, says, hey, let's bring the ark back. But they don't do it. They don't transport the way that God had told them. Again, we're talking about hot button issues come from not following God's ways. And in irreverence and disrespect to a thing that was supposed to be holy and sacred, Uzzah touches the ark and God kills him. And people say, whoa, that's not cool. God kills people? That seems like a petty thing to kill somebody over. You know, I'm going to put a pin in it and say, we're studying 2 Samuel in the 20-minute Bible study. When we get there, we will deal with it in depth. But I'll tell you, that's a talked about issue. Then, remember I said that, you know, David's family is a hot mess, right? There's Uzzah, but there's also Uzziah and, and, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Uriah. And Uriah the Hittite, Uzziah is a, a different king, descendant of David. Uriah the Hittite, um, see, this can, it's confusing. You know, it's like you got Jack and Jackson and Jax with an X, right? It's the same thing. Uzzah, Uzziah, Uriah, same deal. So Uriah the Hittite had moved to Israel and he was part of David's army. And David should have gone out to fight with the army. Instead, he stayed home. He's up on the highest building because the king lives in the highest building in the whole city. And he looks down and he sees a gal bathing. Because remember, they didn't have indoor plumbing back then. Uh, she is, she's home alone. Nobody else could see her from any of the normal houses. And she was just, she was washing. She was bathing. She was cleansing herself. And David sees her naked and goes, I like what I see there. Calls for her. And, and let's be honest, it's, it's borderline rape what David did. And her name's Bathsheba. It's a well-known story. And that's a hot-button issue because it, it, we've always known it was bad. But we've also not dealt with all of the implications because we haven't wanted to call things what they are. And there is a lot of implications. David has her husband murdered to cover up his sin. They never actually deal with the ramifications of what he did. And then uh, her son, Solomon, uh, becomes king. But that causes all kinds of issues. And then David's other kids... 
uh, or half brothers and sisters, and some of them may never lived in the same house. And so it's like all kinds of a mess. And this one son, uh, Ammon, he decides that he is in love with his half-sister Tamar, and he cannot get over how much he wants to sleep with her. And he just cannot stop. Oh, I just want to sleep with her. I just want to sleep with her. And he tricks her into coming over. She won't sleep with him. So he rapes her. That's messed up. A dude rapes his sister. And then her full brother, Absalom, a year later arranges to have him killed and kills him. Now that causes all kinds of issues. And then Absalom tries to basically do a coup and overthrow his father. Like I said, it's a mess. And including in that whole thing, while Absalom drives David out of Jerusalem and takes over the capital city and it looks like he's going to make himself the new king, he sleeps publicly, and I mean publicly, with all of David's concubines that were left in the city to take care of the house. There is a lot of stuff that is not good. There's a lot of stuff that is going on here that's like, what's happening? The whole book's a hot mess. And the the last and most important question that we ask in this podcast is the answer to this hot mess. Where is Jesus seen in this book? And, and you might say, well, what do you mean? Jesus is like a big deal in the Bible, but this is the Old Testament. I believe that the Bible in its entirety is about Jesus. It starts with the situation. Humanity has fallen into sin and rebellion, and, and that's at the very beginning of the Bible. And then you see God establishing a plan of rescue all the way through the the Old Testament. You see humans trying to keep God's law and failing over and over again. You see human saviors, people who have sort of a messianic kind of figure about them, whether it's Moses or David or somebody else, and they all fail and they fail and they fail. Jesus is the only one who's never failed. And 2 Samuel has one of the more important messianic prophecies. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, David wants to build a house for God. He wants to get rid of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and he wants to build a grand temple in the capital. And God responds to David and he says, David, that's not for you to do. I've never asked you to do it, first of all. And, and, and I appreciate that you're coming from a good place, but you aren't the person to do this. Uh, you are a man of war. This is to be a house of peace. We'll get more into that when we get into it in the 20-minute Bible study. But then God says this to David, I will build you a house. Here's David wanting to do a great thing for God. And instead God says, no, I'm going to do a great thing for you. And from your line, your descendants, your royal lineage will come the Messiah. And we know that Jesus was born, his mother Mary, of the line of David. Jesus is the rightful heir to David's throne, and Jesus will establish his rule and reign in Jerusalem. Um, And you can see this at the end of the book of Ezekiel. Uh, We'll see this when we get into the book of the Revelation uh, later on this spring on Sunday mornings. But Jesus will sit and fulfill that prophecy, ruling and reigning on the throne of David, just as God promised. So the book of 2 Samuel is a complex book. It is a book that is full of all kinds of issues and stuff that comes up. But at the end of the day, we can know this. We have issues going on in our world. We have messes. We have dysfunction. And yet God was working in David's life, through David's life. He was merciful to David, just as he will be working in and through us, despite all of the stuff going on. And that Jesus comes through no matter how much we fail. 
I want to thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Starting Points Podcast. All of our audio versions are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Video versions are available on our Facebook page. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. online and in person for our Sunday morning services. God bless you. We'll see you again for another episode of the Starting Points podcast.